Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hey everyone, this is Scotty Sparks, and you're listening to Duke Loves Wrestling. Independent wrestling is the name of the game on this episode. We're going to be checking in with the best wrestler in Canada. We're talking about our man, Jeremy Prophet. But first, we're going to start off with Scotty Sparks, a young lady who is fresh out of training for pro wrestling, and now she's making a name for herself on the Florida indie scene. Good stuff there. Listen, I could talk to Hall of Famers all day long. It's not just about that. We got to reach back out to these young folk out here. We got to reach back out to these experienced veterans who are still making a name for themselves on the scene. That's what it's all about. 360 degree view. That's what you get here on Duke Loves Wrestling. Before I start the show, check out this special message. Zencaster. Okay, that is my favorite program to record the Duke Loves Wrestling podcast. I absolutely love it. Studio quality sound. And in addition to audio, there's also a video option as well. So you can do your video podcasting or video conferencing. I encourage everybody, head over to Zencaster.com. That's Z-E-N-C-A-S-T-R.com. Check it out for yourself. They even have a free version, so you can test it out. You can see if it's something that you want to incorporate into whatever projects that you have coming up. But I'm telling you right now, as a podcaster, Zencaster is number one for me. That's right. You're locked in. This is what we have here, folks. To the only show that matters. The cream of the crop. Duke loves wrestling. And there is no one that does it better than your host. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. The Duke. And I'm all out of bubblegum. Pro wrestling, it's super important to me because when I was a kid, like, trying to figure out who I was and, you know, struggling with, like, regular, like, childhood stuff, wrestling is, like, what I turn to to escape it all. And it was kind of just, like, my anchor to keep me grounded. So wrestling is, like, I owe wrestling my life. It saved me. You know, Scotty Sparks, that's a strong statement there. Uh, it saved you. Tell me, how did pro wrestling save you? Um, I remember, like, being a kid and, like, you know, the world was tearing me down. And I didn't have much to look forward to in a future. But when I, like, settled on what I wanted to be um, when I grew up and having it be wrestling, I could actually, like, physically see myself older and like living and happy and wrestling. So that image of me is what really kept me going throughout my childhood and even throughout my adulthood. Like (laughs) being an adult is like, I know I'm like new to the game. I'm only 19, but my goodness, it's so much responsibility, but just the promise of being a wrestler is what's like holding me together. Scotty, who are some of the people that 
you looked up to in pro wrestling as a kid? You know, some of your inspiration, your heroes there. And who are some of the people that you look up to now, now that you are a pro wrestler, you know, you're doing your training, you're just starting to make your shots on the indie scene. Who were the folks that you looked up to then and who are the folks that you're looking up to now? Because, you know, I'm interested. I'm, I'm curious about your inspirations in general here. So some of the women's wrestlers, I've been a fan of like Melina since like I first started wrestling. I always just thought she was just the coolest thing. She would do the splits and then I was like, okay, I need to learn how to do the splits. And um, yeah, she was kind of just like the embodiment of a superstar when she would walk out and they would roll out the red carpet and have, you know, the photographers. I was like, oh my gosh, I want that. And now like growing up, like as I was growing up, Naomi for sure was just always been an inspiration to me since the first moment I saw her I was like I need to be a wrestler because I saw someone that looked like me that talked like me and I was like well if she's doing it then I want to do it too you know it's interesting that you say that because we had uh, Ron Simmons on the show a couple weeks back WWE Hall of Famer Ron Simmons when I was growing up Ron Simmons was the first black world heavyweight champion became the world heavyweight champion at WCW. And he was the first person that I ever saw do that in pro wrestling. That was a black man. And it meant so much. It was tremendous. It was so inspiring because it showed me that not only was it possible, but like, bam, well, there it is. It happened. So now, you know, sky's the limit. We can accomplish anything, including in pro wrestling, which is predominantly dominated even to this day by white men and even the fan base are majority white men at least what we know when we look at the demographics here so i hear you on the representation front uh, seeing somebody who looks like you that was inspirational expand upon that more talk to me more about representation and, and, and why it matters to you personally because it's powerful it's powerful stuff there Oh man, representation has really, it's, it's got me to see so many like little different like activities and sports and theater. Like I would watch someone, like I would go through phases <laughs> as a kid. Like I would see Venus and Serena and I'd be like, okay, I want to be a tennis player. So then my mom was like, okay, she bought me a tennis racket. And then I'd live out my tennis fantasy and see the next thing. I, I'd see um, uh, Gabby Douglas um, in the in the Olympics doing her thing as a gymnast. And I was like, wow, I want to be in gymnastics. Put me in gymnastics. So they put me in gymnastics. And it just, I picked up so many different things just by seeing Black women, dark-skinned Black women in particular, because I'm dark skin and I like to see people that, you know, look like me, the closest I look like me, because I know that dark skin women aren't always the first pick. So when I see them being the best, I'm like, oh my goodness, like I need to do that next. This needs to be my next venture. So that just like traveled on and on and on until I got to wrestling and wrestling just stuck. You packed up, you moved from Ohio to Florida 
you know, pursue this wrestling dream. And certainly Florida in a lot of ways is the mecca of pro wrestling in the world. That's the place that's ground zero. It's where you want to be. Um, how does it feel to be in such a, a totally different environment? I mean, tell me about Florida from your perspective. All I know is that it's completely different from Ohio. <laughs> it's incredibly hot and there's way more people here. It's so crowded. It's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, Florida's pretty hot. No two ways about it. And there's a lot of people there for sure. Uh, but Ohio, I've learned something about Ohio that, quite frankly, has disturbed me. And I want to get your take on this. And, and you know, Scotty, I'm going to judge you. I'm going to judge you based on how you respond to this. I found out about something called Skyline Chili. Okay. This is a thing folks have up in Ohio, Skyline Chili. It's a chain where they make chili and then they have the audacity to put it over spaghetti and serve it to people. And, you know, I got to be honest with you. I think that this is a, this is just completely against the culinary rules. I think that we need to get the authorities involved. In fact, I, I'm going to put in the call to, to Space Force. Uh, which is a government agency. Like we're going to get to the bottom of this because I do not understand skyline chili, especially putting chili on top of spaghetti. So I need to know from you right now here, Scotty Sparks, what's the deal with this skyline chili? And, and is that something that you're into? I know exactly what you're talking about. Skyline chili literally gives me nightmares. Um, I can't imagine eating chili from like any place other than like my home or like that my grandma cooked. Um, I'm very like concerned who's keeping them in business. Skyline chili shouldn't be a thing. I, I'm so sorry that you've been exposed to that. I try to keep it a secret. Um, I can't, like you said, we do need to launch an investigation, get the FBI, CIA, CDC, Batman, whoever we can get. I mean, something needs to, something's got to give. I know there was a reason why I liked you, Scotty Sparks. You make sense. You're against the Skyline chili. Uh, you understand the fact that uh, grandma makes the best chili. Shout out to your grandma. Grandma Sparks, you know, the Duke, anytime he's in town over there in Ohio, I'm going to stop by, grab a, a bowl of real chili, grandma's chili. That's right. The, the grandma Sparks way. You better believe it there. Um, but Scotty, tell me, what are your goals for the rest of 2022 and, and really entering into 2023? Because I know that you're, you're fresh out of training. You know, you just graduated. And... You're making your rounds on the indie scene here. So you, there are a lot of things to figure out, especially getting your, your feet underneath you there. So what are your goals? What are your goals for the rest of the year here going into 2023? I definitely want to, well, one, I would like to get my gear finished. I still haven't gotten that, um, the perfect gear that I have. Um, I want to get that finished and I want to get more matches under my belt. I just want to be, I want to appear in more wrestling things. Um, I know right now, like I'm, I'm super new and I'm like really eager. So I feel like I haven't done much, but by the end of the year, I just want to be, I want to be in everyone's face. I want to be in everyone's ear. I want everyone to know who Scotty Sparks is. Well, I think those are reasonable goals and Certainly the world's going to know who Scotty Sparks is because you're somebody who is determined. You have great head on your shoulders. I've seen some of your work and you, you definitely were trained well. So I look forward to you 
taking over the indie scene because you have that type of talent and that type of ambition, which is great. And, you know, kudos to you talking about the gear. It's something that keeps coming up. And I guess I'm going to have to do an episode about this because there are so many people out there, especially women, that are having challenges in wrestling finding decent gear, that gear that holds up, gear that isn't just, you know, going to fall apart and and you constantly have to spend more money and more money on it, what have you. Something's going on. So it, all of you gear makers out there who actually know what you're doing, you make stuff that holds up and that's you know, flattering and, and, and is professionally done, reach out, reach out. I'd like, I'd like to have you on the show. I want to do a whole special about this. I want to blast it out to the world so we can identify the really good gear makers out there, especially the folks who can make gear for the women wrestlers, because it's becoming very challenging to find folks who actually are good at that. And I, I can't tell you countless folks on the independent wrestling scene have said the same thing to me about the gear. So, you know, Scotty, that's a good call on your part, shouting that out there. You're absolutely right. Uh, why, why don't you let everybody know what's the best way that they can keep up with Scotty Sparks and be on this journey with you, grow with you, be able to watch you blossom within your career, because it's always really fun to do that. And I truly believe that you're somebody that's going to make a difference in the wrestling industry. So please plug away all your social media. You can keep up with me um, on Instagram at Scotty Sparks. That's S-C-O-T-T-I-S-P-A-R-K-S. And it's the same on Twitter. And sometimes I post on TikTok. If you want to check that out. Have you subscribed to the Panera Bread Unlimited Sip Club? Folks, what are you waiting on here? We're talking $8.99 a month, so you can grab yourself a drink once every two hours. It is fantastic. And let me tell you something. They've expanded the Unlimited Sip Club. So not only can you get your hot or iced coffee or your hot or iced tea, now you can get the fountain drink. So if you want to grab yourself a soda or check this out. Okay, we are talking about the charged lemonades. Strawberry lemon mint, Fuji apple cranberry, or the mango yuzu citrus. Okay, these are clean energy drinks, folks. Okay, we're talking about guarana and green coffee extract. Gives you a nice little boost. It certainly keeps me charged up to deliver the best episodes of Duke Loves Wrestling for you. So what are you waiting on? Visit your local Panera Bread or go to PaneraBread.com. Sign up for the Unlimited Sip Club enjoy this is jeremy prophet the harbinger of truth black dynamite himself and you're listening to duke loves wrestling so if you're enjoying what you're hearing here on duke loves wrestling with jeremy prophet you can also help me on my journey in wrestling to getting to where i feel i should be which is to brighter spotlights and a bigger stage and you can do that by heading on over to wrestling-academy.ca, checking out the first episode of Wrestling Academy featuring yours truly. And then you can go and vote to help get me to the Nightmare Factory in Atlanta, Georgia, and eventually, hopefully on to AEW, where I can mix it up with some of the best in the world and show them why I've been one of the best in the world for many, many years now. So you can head on over there, vote for me, 
and help my career to ascend to that next level. And believe me, once I get there, I will remember each and every one of you. And I know that together we can make this happen. Well, Jeremy, it is a, an absolute pleasure having the Duke Loves Rosslyn podcast. I always enjoy talking to my uh, cousins up in Canada. What, what part of Canada are you in? I am in Montreal, Quebec, Canada, born and raised, lived my entire life here. Okay, Montreal. So I got to I got to ch- test your uh, street cred here because you know, you, you lived there your entire life. I'm in Boston, Massachusetts. Uh one my my roommate from college was from Montpelier, Vermont. But he he and his family had a beautiful lake house in Burlington, Vermont. So not far from the border where you are. In fact, that major what is that what is that major waterway that that separates you and uh, Vermont there? You mean you mean the St. Lawrence River? Exactly. I've 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 played hockey on that river. Oh wow. Just so you know. Like literally they they clear the snow, it's frozen over and I've I've been out there and played hockey. I'm terrible at hockey just so you know, Jeremy. I am the worst hockey player in the history of life. I am no Jerome Aginla or anything like that. Um but I but I can look good in a pair of skates. So that's all, you know, it's a fashion show. But anyway, there is a restaurant/resort called Hovey Manor. I think it's a five-star resort or what have you. I, you know, you can get your cognacs, you can get your scotch, you can get a nice cigar, but the food there is tremendous. Tell me right now, Jeremy Prophet, if I go up to Montreal to, you know, if I go up to Quebec, where am I getting a decent meal other than Hovey Manor? Oh man, it's, it's very simple. If you come to Montreal, the place to be is a restaurant called the Barbie Barn. And maybe I'm a little biased because, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of the food. Uh, it's the second oldest restaurant in the city, uh, or it might have something to do with the fact that it was actually my uncle that created it. Uh, but definitely you want the best chicken and ribs pretty much anywhere. You should check out the Barbie barn because, uh, you know, they know what they're doing when it comes to chicken and ribs. And I've had the pleasure of going there with some of the biggest names in wrestling. Uh, I was there with uh, Samoa Joe. Um, I was there with the late... Uh, Viscera as well. Uh, when he came up here, uh, Hernandez uh, from uh, TNA from Impact. Uh, we went there. Uh, even the Honky Tonk Man and I went there and uh, had a good time. So uh, it, it has paid tribute to uh, a lot of great wrestlers in this business. And uh, I'm happy to say that you know it was, it was my family that actually created it, put it on the map, and uh, it is legendary. So wait a second, I got to know about this, here, Jeremy Prophet, because you you're out you're out here having uh, ribs and chicken and a good time with all of your peers here, some of the biggest names in wrestling. So are you a dry rub or are you a sauce kind of guy when it comes to your ribs? Oh, definitely sauce. Okay. No doubt about what it. kind of sauce? Are we are we talking a mustard-based sauce? Are we talking a tomato-based sauce that's red? Like what type of sauce? Give me the rundown here because, you know, here in the United States, depending on what part of the country, um, we have our different things. You know, like when we get further mid-south, it's dry rub. When you get down to Texas, they have their own types of uh, uh, vinegar-based barbecue sauce. Memphis, Tennessee, they might go more with the red sauce. Kentucky has their mustard-based sauce, so it literally looks yellow. They're using mustard. So what is it like up in Montreal, especially at your family's establishment there? Well, well, I I don't claim to be any kind of a a culinary connoisseur. Uh, You know, I do not have a a degree from Cordon Bleu. But when it comes down to it, uh, I do know a thing or two about the secret sauce that that we used here. Um, I believe it was uh, caramel based, if I'm not mistaken. 
Um, so it has a bit of a sweet kind of kind of taste to it with the ribs. But at the same time, it's a uh, it's a cooking process that's fairly unique, where it's a it's a slow cook um, on a for lack of a better term, a, a turner. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's 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 hand basted. It's not uh, mechanical. So it's all done by a person. It's not just a machine kind of just shooting the sauce on there. Um, it, it's a very meticulous process. And I think that's why it tastes so unique. Many have tried to duplicate it. Uh, unfortunately, uh, you know, or maybe fortunately, none have. But uh, if ever you make it down here, you can give it a try and you'll see it's one of a kind. Every one of those people that I mentioned, you know, who had gone there, uh, they all loved it. Even I remember Hernandez saying, you know, I'm from Texas and, you know, we're all about the ribs. And I can tell you these these passed the taste, the pass the pass the test with my palate. I love it. I love it. You know, one of the things about Jeremy Prophet, folks, is the fact that he's so uh, focused on details. It's not fluff. I mean, there's there's very specific information that comes out every time he opens his mouth. And you can tell this is a person who takes time to consider everything and who cares about it making sense. And it's interesting. I'm asking you about this food stuff so you can go into detail and, and, and show the world this aspect of your personality, because here's the reality. The way that you are in wrestling is exactly the same way. Uh, your attention to detail, you take your, your, your craft very seriously you uh, continue to work on your craft, which is very important. I mean, we know we have the the Bret Hart scale. Have, are you familiar with the Bret Hart scale? Oh, absolutely. Tell the world what the Bret Hart scale is, because my next question after that is, where does Jeremy Prophet land on the Bret Hart scale? So for, the, so for those who aren't familiar, the Bret Hart scale is Bret's way of evaluating a talent in professional wrestling. So Bret believes, and Jeremy Prophet believes as well, that when evaluating a talent, you need to take three important criteria into consideration. That being their look, their promo ability, and their wrestling ability. So Brett famously says about Hulk Hogan, Hulk Hogan, 10 on 10 in look, 10 on 10 on the mic, and maybe about a 2 on 10 when it comes to wrestling. Brett's words, not mine. Uh, however, you know, I'd probably be inclined to agree with him. Uh, with that said, I've always modeled myself as being as high as possible on that scale. So always wanting to refine and sharpen my appearance, my promo ability, and my wrestling ability. And so I think that if, if every promoter were to use the Bret Hart scale to evaluate talent, if every company were to do that, uh, well, for one, wrestling would be a lot better. But when you break it down, you look at any of the top talents, you apply that criteria to them. And it explains why certain people are where they should be and maybe why certain people are, um, you know, call it underrated, underappreciated, underutilized. Um, you know, that, that really puts everything into perspective. And it's really such a simple system. So I've always tried to be the best I can be at those aspects of professional wrestling. And to ask where I rank on there, man, I, I feel I'm one of the highest. You know, I feel that when it comes down to appearance, yeah, you know, maybe, you know, we can all improve our appearance, uh, you know, unless we're uh, uh, the almighty Bobby Lashley. I mean, you know, we, we, we could all improve what we look like um, when it comes down to promo ability. Uh, I feel I can go toe to toe with the best of them on this mic. I don't shy away from a microphone, live mic. Give me a script. I'll read it. Uh, whatever kind of scenario situation you need, uh, I will be entertaining. I'll be entertaining and unpredictable. I'll be, I'll be, you know, more unpredictable than uh, Jeff Hardy behind the steering wheel. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm all about when it comes to wrestling, being able to excel at all of those things in the ring, being able to have great matches with many diverse opponents, people of 
high skill levels, people of low skill levels, people who are giants, people who are uh, cruiserweights. Uh, I feel if you look at a Jeremy Profit match, you'll never see the same match twice. And it's something that I'm proud of because I can acquiesce and adapt uh, to any style because my skill set, my toolbox is just that eclectic. So to say, where do I rank? I mean, I don't want to seem braggadocious, but you know, I'd be pretty high up there. You look at me, uh, I walk down the street, you're going to take a second look. Uh, you hear me talking, you're going to want to listen even longer. And, you know, when you see me wrestle, there's a good chance that you're going to be engaged and you're going to say, wow, you know, there's something special about this guy. Story of my life, everywhere I've gone, they said there's something special about him. Uh, unfortunately, I guess I just wasn't a very good politician. Uh, didn't, uh, you know, make friends with the right people, uh, which unfortunately, that's what the business is about these days. It's about who you know, not necessarily what you can do. You know, one of the things that I love about um, Canadians, and I've interviewed a lot of Canadians here on Duke Loves Wrestling and also on my more current events political show, uh, Tells the Truth. One thing about you and your fellow countrymen and women is that you folks may be very quiet, especially at, at first, you know, meeting. You folks may even seem mild mannered at first. But one thing is clear if you're asked about your ability, no matter what industry you folks work in, you make it very, very clear. This is who I am. This is how good I am. And here are my credentials to back it up. Here's the proof. I'm not just talking. So, you know, here in this world of pro wrestling, I'm asking you about the Bret Hart scale and you defined it and then explained in detail exactly how you land where you land on the scale. And it's like, you know, some folks may say, oh, who the hell does this guy think he is? But then it's like, well, folks, go go check out Jeremy Prophet's work and see it for yourself. Um, he's that damn good, which is why he's speaking in, in these absolute manners here, which is important. Where does this come from? This spirit of just being straight up, not being afraid to, to actually say, yes, I'm one of the best. Yes, I'm that damn good. Yes, I'm. I know that I can get this done because this is very Bret Hart. Bret Hart has always been that way, despite the fact that Bret's a pretty mild-mannered person. Bret's, Bret's pretty laid back. Used to be a hippie. Mm -hmm. um, so here's a guy that, despite that aspect of his personality, he's still not afraid to say, oh, by the way, the best there is, the best there was, and the best there ever, ever will be. And I can explain to you exactly why that is. You have the same spirit. A lot of your fellow countrymen and women have the same spirit. Why is that? I think that's just always been a part of who I am. But at the same time, uh, I, I possess no insecurity whatsoever uh, about anything to do with professional wrestling. Professional wrestling is my, my master's degree. It's my PhD. It's the thing that I, I live for every day. And a lot of people, they, they talk the talk to hype themselves up, to make themselves seem like they're so much more than they actually are. And I feel it comes from them being insecure. With me, I will never hype myself beyond what I am capable of doing. I see my peers. I, I see people on, on television that could not lace my boots on, on their best day and, and who don't take as much pride and are not as serious about this wrestling business as I am. Yet I'm the one sitting at home, um, not making a six to seven figure income uh, doing the sport I love. So it creates a massive chip on my shoulder. Uh, but, but, but quite frankly, I mean, for me, I know how good I am. I don't need the validation of the next person for me to know how good I am. I believe in my heart and soul that I am absolutely in the top 1% of professional wrestlers in this world. Why? Because 
even someone like Brett, and I don't mean to hate on my fellow countrymen because I love Brett and he's the reason that I do this, but I feel like even Bret Hart himself would see my body of work and would say, you know what, you, you probably rank even higher than me on this scale because there are things that I can do that Bret Hart himself could not do. And there are things that I can do that people who have been world champion in the sport cannot do. And so I feel like every one of those aspects, talking, appearance, wrestling, my skills are just sharper. And like I said, I don't need someone patting me on the back and saying, oh, you know, you're, you're really good. And, and that's going to make me think I'm good. You know, and I don't need to hold my head down and, and, and you know, be, be humble. I'm not being arrogant. I'm just being matter of fact. It, when you are good at something, there's nothing wrong with saying you're good at this. Um, you, you know, for, for too long, uh, too many people just, you know, want to have people keep them under their thumbs and make them feel like they're inadequate and make them feel like just because they're not on TV, then they can't be that good. But it's as ridiculous as saying that, you know, the, the best artists and the best musicians are the people you hear on the radio. That's not the case. There are tons of talented wrestlers everywhere in the world, just that unfortunately some don't get the same opportunities because they don't kiss enough ass or they're not friends with the right people or they're not in the right place at the right time. Wrestling has always unfortunately been a business of, of bribery, nepotism. Uh, you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. Hey, they call it politics for a reason. I've never been a good politician, but I've always been a damn good professional wrestler. And so I, I, I believe in my abilities and I believe that eventually the cream rises to the top and you can't keep a good man down. Strictly for the culture. Their uh, Twitter handle is at always SFTC. I was having a great conversation with the wonderful folks uh, who run that that page and have their apparel line, what have you. And I said, listen, I need some indie wrestlers uh, to come on the show. I want to dig in more to what's going on, especially up in Canada, because I realized that a lot of Canadian wrestlers don't get a lot of play on these American podcasts. It's just not a, a, a common thing, which is unfortunate because there's so much talent up there. Uh, and you were the first name that was brought up. Talk to me about Strictly for the Culture. I mean, how familiar are you uh, with the folks who run that page and that apparel line? And just from a general standpoint, how does it feel to have people who are singing your praises, promoting you, telling others, hey, if you want to talk to anyone, talk to Jeremy Prophet. Jeremy Prophet is a real deal. How does it feel to know that people are talking about you like this uh, without you being in the room, so to speak? Yeah, no, it's great. Uh, I mean, every little bit helps. Uh, my days, every single day, I wake up in the morning and it's the same thing. It's how do we get closer to achieving the dream today? What is going to bring us closer? And it's been that, you know, more or less since COVID. Uh, that's when I really got focused on I have a goal. I want to make this happen. Lesser people than me with lesser abilities have been able to succeed at this. You know, why am I not where I want to be? And so every day I wake up and I say, okay, you know what? It's about getting more people to know who I am. The work is there. The ability is there. But unfortunately, it's a game of who you know. It doesn't matter what you do unless people know that you exist. So it's about how can I create more visibility? How can I get more people to, to, to know exactly what Jeremy Prophet is all about? So strictly for the culture, I mean, they, they've been paramount, you know, with all the times that they'll tag me in things, that they'll spread the good word. And, and I return that tenfold because I've not had many people help me along the way. I'm not one of these people who has, who has felt, okay, I need to make friends with the right people. I need to socialize. I, I'm not that kind of person for the longest time. And why my body of work 
uh, has gone unnoticed for so long is because I always felt, okay, my job is to show up at the show, put my head down, do what I need to do from bell to bell, you know, leave the people wanting more, and, and that's it. I've not been about the partying, about the, the extracurricular stuff. When people ask me, uh, it's a very popular question. They say, hey, what's your favorite part about professional wrestling? Is it the, the road trips? Is it the after parties? Is it the... And I'm like, no, my favorite part of professional wrestling is the wrestling. It, that should be everyone's favorite part of it. So for the longest time, I was a good wrestler, but I wasn't getting myself out there. I wasn't letting people know who the man was behind the body of work. And eventually something just clicked. And I said, look, you know, this is this is what I need to do. So having a group like Strictly for the Culture, you know, I, I'm very happy to represent them. I, I carried their flag uh, at a recent IWS event. I wear their apparel. Uh, but it goes beyond that. It's the message of Strictly for the Culture because we are a culture. And, you know, we have been neglected for far too long. And, you know, maybe it is a thing that we need to, to throw in people's faces and we need to, you know, make people aware of this because too many people try to brush what's happened uh, to us as a culture under the rug and try to ignore it. And uh, sometimes people need to be held accountable and we need to, you know, band together and help each other. So that's what I appreciate about Strictly for the Culture is that they've helped me a lot. And uh, I think it's a, it's a mutual relationship that we have. And I'll continue to fight for that. I'll continue to fight aggressively uh, for the culture because uh, that's just who I am. That's what gets me up in the morning. Well said. Well said. You know, Jeremy, I wonder, because um, like you said, I mean, your, your quality of work is, is fantastic. And you've wrestled a lot of the who's who in wrestling from over the past you know, 15 years. Why don't I see you on more cards here in the United States? I mean, what's going on here? Are, are you do you not like us down here? You don't want to you don't want to wrestle here in the States or what's really going on? Well, when it comes down to it, there's a lot of red tape that we have to go through. I mean, people don't realize uh, a lot of people will write to me and they'll say, hey, you know, I can get you booked on this show or, you know, why don't you come down to this area and this place? People don't realize I've had to turn down more bookings in the United States than I can count more money, uh, you know, all kinds of cushy deals because there's just too much risk. People don't realize that as a Canadian, we can't go and legally wrestle in the United States without a work visa. To acquire a work visa, it's, you know, between, it could be as much as almost 20 grand, which, you know, the money, not that much of an issue. If, you know, if you're going to pay for education, especially higher education, you're paying a hell of a lot more than that uh, in hopes that you're going to be able to, you know, use that to get a job and then make that back. Uh, definitely, I believe in myself enough that I would invest that in myself in a heartbeat, uh, knowing that I could make millions in this business and could make millions for any of the top companies in wrestling if they were to invest in me. But unfortunately, there's paperwork and there's a lot of uh, scrutiny and other kinds of, uh, you know, different obstacles that'll stand in the way. I'll put it that way, because you have to have a company that has enough authority to sign the work visa and endorse you. So really the only companies that can do it, AEW, Impact, WWE, um, even a company like MLW, uh, as far as I'm told, not able to... Uh, you know, sign on and just, you know, acquire a work visa for someone, then you also have to provide burdens of proof that the person that the, they're acquiring the work visa for is an exceptional talent. By definition of an O-1 work visa, it's an exceptionally skilled person who is skilled more than an American citizen. Because, I, look, I've been stopped at the border going to wrestle. I had a, a lengthy run uh, throughout New England, you know, right in your backyard, um, but I've been stopped countless times and they've even said, look, you know, you can say you're going there, you're not getting paid, 
But when it comes down to it, you're still taking a job away from an American citizen who could be wrestling in that spot instead of you. So the work visa has to justify that you are better than an American citizen, that you can do the job better. Not as good. Being as good ain't going to cut it. You have to be better and you have to prove that you're better. And so that's why you don't see a lot of Canadians wrestling on the American independent scene. And there's this um, this unfortunate, um, this, this negative mentality from a lot of the scouts and the higher ups where, you know, we know there are certain companies that are being scouted, companies like you know, the top indies like GCW, like PWG for the longest time, you know, NXT was was raiding PWG because they were scouting them. And, you know, having done some tryouts around that time, 2012, 2013, um, the inside word was, well, if you're not wrestling there, then you must not be that good. If you're not in Ring of Honor, if you're not in PWG, you, you must not be that good. Not realizing that we're running a huge risk. Anyone who's not an American citizen going there without a, without a work visa is running a huge risk. Uh, I don't even think PWG can get can acquire work visas for talent. So it's this this perverse mentality that well, you guys should be there, so you should be going there. You should be working illegally. You should be doing illegal work so that we can hire you to do legal work. And that's just an asinine, backwards, uh, dumb way of thinking. But unfortunately, it goes to show that even at the higher levels, they don't realize what we're dealing with here in the trenches. And so that's why you don't see a guy like Jeremy Prophet on the American independent scene, not because I don't want to be there, not because all y'all don't want me there, but because unfortunately there are legal ramifications to my attempting to be there. And I think that that's one of the main thing that has halted the careers of many great Canadian talents um, who realistically should be on TV, uh, earning a pretty cushy living doing the thing they love. Well, you're absolutely right. And, and it's funny to hear you say all of this. It makes me realize just how much of a challenge it is for so many out there. I mean, I, you know, I've, I've spoken to Chelsea Green when she was going through her challenges um, because, you know, remember, she got released by WWE. So there's a gap here, but she was under a work visa through them. So this poor woman is in danger of being deported because the work visa is gone. You know, you look at Josh Alexander and, and when he and Impact had an impasse on that that contract and he didn't sign a new contract with him, same situation. You know what I mean? He's, he's going to be forced to leave the United States because the work visa is up. Think of the leverage that gives the companies in dealing with those negotiations with those talents. Well, that's it. I mean, when you can be forced to just leave the, the home that you've made for yourself and the life that you set up for yourself. And it's not like these folks aren't out there working, so they've earned their keep, so to speak. Um, but to know that at any point they can just cancel your contract, which means that you'll be forced to go back to what? I mean, who the hell can maintain two homes in two different countries these days? You know what I mean? It's like, I don't care how much money you're making. That That's a, that's a pretty big undertaking. It's a pretty big challenge to do that. So most of the time you actually leave the home where you were and you set up shop where you are today, where you're going to be living right now for the foreseeable future. So to know that you immediately um, can be put in a position where it's like, Jesus, I could, you know, immigration could come and, and, and arrest me if I don't <laughs> hurry up and get this sorted out as soon as possible. And then the whole process, the paperwork, you had COVID going on. It's a very big challenge that I don't think we as fans know enough about. And 
I appreciate the fact that you've come on this show to talk about it because it's something that I'm going to continue to revisit going forward because there's got to be some level of advocacy from the the pro wrestling fan community that can help out with some of this stuff. I mean, we need to pay a little bit more attention to this immigration issue and find ways to, you know, support folks like yourself and your peers, because why, why can't we have the best wrestlers um, available to entertain us and for us to support you folks and, you know, that, that mutual respect there, why can't we have that? It doesn't make sense. And especially if your quality of work is that damn good, you should be here. You should be in the big time. There's, there's no reason why you shouldn't I, I, be here. Duke, I wholeheartedly agree with that. And again, not to cut you off, but um, when it comes down to it, the, the problem is so much bigger than just at the independent level. Um, I really feel, and I don't throw this word around lightly, I really feel it is a systemic problem. It stems from the top of the companies, the WWE. Uh, there is a, it's either a blatant uh, decision to not hire these talents because of all of the extra layers of problems that come with it. Um, or it's just an ignorance. Uh, I've referred to it as a systemic ignorance because on my own podcast, I've talked with, you know, people from major companies. I've talked with, uh, my, my good friend, you know, TJ Wilson, Tyson kid, uh, who works with WWE. And, you know, we talked about how he had to go through a lot of this being a, a Canadian and working the independent scene and then getting hired to WWE and, you know, work visas and, and all of these things and that having to be renewed. But also look at it like this. I'll put it in layman's terms for everyone to understand. How many Canadians have either WWE or AEW hired that have not already been under a work visa, American work visa? Like how many? And, and I'm not going to just, you know, say how many, but, you know, look into it. Also, um, w- when you look at this, you know, how many get hired off of the independent scene in, in general? Like, you know, you work the Canadian Indies, you're, you're on there, you're killing it, you're doing like Jeremy Prophet, and then you get hired to a major company. E- even more, how many get tryouts? How many Canadians show up on like AEW Dark or on Elevation, uh, you know, even just to, to, to do enhancement matches? Th- th- there, aren't, there aren't any, few and far between. And if you look at the Canadians that have made it, that have been signed, it's all ones who have started by working illegally on the American independency and have made their name there. It's not because, oh, you know, um, Kevin Owens did such great matches in IWS in Montreal that the WWE hired him. No, it's because of the matches he did in PWG and in CZW and in, and in Ring of Honor. You know, it, it's that. That's what got them their fame and acclaim and notoriety. Uh, all the stuff that's done here flies under the radar, goes unnoticed. And it's only through the merits that are acquired on the American independent scene that have allowed these people to ascend to a higher level. Uh, I, I've been the first one to poke fun at WWE and say, look, you know, um, at this point, they don't even hire wrestlers. They, they hire people who uh, are outstanding athletes from other sports. You know, it kind of be like if the NFL suddenly decided we're not going to hire guys out of college anymore, we're going to hire ex-hockey players and we're going to hire ex-bodybuilders and people like that. So their hiring practices are already a little dodgy to begin with. Um but when it comes down to it, they've actually fired more Canadians than they've hired since COVID. And if they've hired even, you know, if they fired even one Canadian, they would have still fired more Canadians than they've hired since COVID. So it's a it's a systemic ignorance that's, you know, right from the top of sports entertainment all the way down. Well, Jeremy Prophet, you, you have me uh, you have my interest peaked. And I know folks listening right now, they're definitely interested in checking out 
not only some of your wrestling, but following you, you know, following you, you're, you're a person who clearly is a leader uh, within the community. And, and I appreciate the fact that you've, you know, opened up and, and have not been afraid to just tell it like it is. That's, that's good stuff there. Why don't you let everybody know what's the best way that they can follow you, check out your podcast, the whole nine yards. Well, you can follow me on Twitter at Jeremy Prophet. That's J-E-R-E-M-Y-P-R-O-P-H-E-T. In case there was any doubt as to how it was spelt, uh, you can follow me on Instagram at the real Jeremy Prophet, and you can find me on my podcast, Jofo in the Ring. That's J-O-F-O. Uh, you can find us on YouTube, but we are on all audio platforms: Spotify, Apple. Uh, honestly, don't know all the ones that we're on, but. Uh, Definitely on very many of them and always trying to provide people with uh, entertainment uh, as well as a, a good dose of the truth. Because as you can see, I'm a very outspoken person. I've kind of tried to rein it in a little bit and, uh, you know, keep it a little friendly here on this uh, podcast. But on my podcast, I kind of let loose a little bit more. And um, I don't mince words, man. You know, I believe in things. I'm an aggressive person by nature and I believe in fighting for what you believe in. Um, you know, I heard a great quote uh, the other day watching The Ultimate Fighter. Uh, where one of them, one of the fighters had a quote that said, you know, in order to accomplish my dreams, I have to destroy yours. And uh, I very much believe that, that, you know, I will achieve my dreams at all costs, regardless of what obstacles stand in front of me. Um, so I, like I said, I'm an aggressive person. I'm not afraid to speak my mind. Uh, I'm not going to be reined in by anyone and kept under anyone's thumb. And so you can always expect that anytime you see Jeremy Prophet's name, whether it be on a marquee or whether it be on a podcast, that you're going to get a hefty dose of entertainment and a harsh dose of the truth. This is Gio, a.k.a. Mini Stone Cold, and you're listening to Duke Love Wrestling. And that's the right man, because Stone Cold said so. As always, my brothers, my sisters, be kind to yourselves, be kind to others. Take it away, Tony Schiavone. This is Tony Schiavone, and we're definitely out of time on Duke Love Wrestling.